We're going to turn to our Bibles now. Um, We're going to turn to Numbers chapter 12. If you're following in the Pew Bibles, it's page 148. There's at the bottom of page 148. It is the section called Miriam and Aaron Oppose Moses. Um, We're going to read the whole chapter. It's only 16 verses, so it's not too long. Um, Numbers chapter 12, as we continue um, on that journey that we're doing through the book of Numbers, um, through the desert, Um, and as we follow um, the people of Israel as they travel through the desert, um, we recognize that sometimes in our own lives we go through wilderness experiences, and so we want to be encouraged but also challenged uh, by their their journey. So Numbers chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to 16 Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Kushite wife, for he had married a Kushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them came out. Then the Lord came down on a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him or her in visions, and I speak to him or her in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, there stood Miriam, leprous like snow. Aaron turned towards her and saw that she had leprosy. And he said to Moses, please, my Lord, do not hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, O God, please heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spat in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. And after that, the people left Hazaroth and encamped in the desert of Paran. We end our reading there, and we thank God for his word. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this word that has been shared with us today. We thank you that it reminds us of the journey that we are on with you, that our journey with you is not unique, that what we experience, so many other people have experienced, and the things that we are tempted by, so many other people have been tempted by them too. And the God who forgives them and gives them strength to overcome is the same God that we can turn to in our times of weakness, that we can ask to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so God, as we unpack this word today, may it speak into our hearts. So we ask you, Lord, to prepare our hearts, to prepare our minds through the power of your spirit. Now, thank you, God, that you are using me today as your vessel. And I pray that the words I speak will be your words, spoken in the power of your spirit. 
Ask us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Not an easy passage to, to approach. I think I'm starting to see a pattern of when Norman asks me to preach and when he preaches. Um, but but when, you, when you first read this passage, you notice that there's a, there's a lot happening um, in this passage. When we read it, there's, there's hints of racism, there's hints of sexism, there's, there's character assassination, there's criticism of people in leadership. It's, it's almost like it's a prelude to Twitter um, that, we're, that we're reading in this, in this chapter. It starts with Moses' sister and brother, um, Miriam and Aaron, uh, complaining about, about who Moses is married to. Uh, and, and then they move on to, to attacking Moses himself, suggesting that, that Moses is claiming that God only speaks through him, that there's something special about, about him. And then God pulls the three of them aside and he, and he speaks particularly with, with Miriam and Aaron. He, he is angry with them. And then um, he only seems to punish Miriam when the, when the cloud moves away. It seems like only Miriam has been punished uh, by striking her down with leprosy, and then before he heals her, God makes her live outside of the Israelite camp for seven days before all of the Israelites then pack up their stuff and they continue on with their journey. If at first the passage seems to be a bit all over the place, if at first there seems to be a lot of things that, that don't seem to be making sense, we need to remember that, that when we open up our Bibles, it's like stepping into a time travel machine. Our Bibles take us to a time and to a culture that is, that is not our own. Um, and so we can be sometimes, uh, miss, we can sometimes miss things or, or misunderstand things when, when we read our Bibles. It's, it's a story that we read, it's a story of, of pride, of, of prejudice, of punishment, and of power. The passage begins with, with Miriam and Aaron complaining. Um, it's, it's Miriam that does most of the complaining, or, or Miriam that does all the complaining, and, and we know that because, because the Hebrew language is different to our, our English language. When we come across verbs in, in our English language, they, they are just a verb, it's just an action, but, it, but in Hebrew there's a gender attached um, to that verb, so, so verbs, doing words, will have a, a, a male gender or a female gender attached to them, and, and here, in this case, when we come across that word spoke or, or, or they talked about him, it, it is as a feminine verb, which means that what they're actually saying is, is she spoke or she said or she talked about it. So we know that it's Miriam that's doing most of the talking, most of the complaining here um, about, about Moses. And, and her first complaint that she makes is that, that Moses is married to a Kushite woman. Now, in some of your translations, it might say she's married to an Ethiopian woman. Uh, and, and the only reason that there's a difference there is, is because it depends on what time period we're, we're looking at that region in. The, the region that was once called Kush is now called Ethiopia. So the Kushite, Ethiopian, it's an interchangeable, uh, interchangeable word. But what confuses us about that, or that can be confusing, is that when we read the book, uh, the, the early books of the Bible, the last time that we read about uh, Moses being married, he is married to a Midianite woman called Zipporah. So either Moses has a second wife, Zipporah has passed away, and he's married a second wife, a, a, an, an Ethiopian or a Kushite woman, um, or, or he is um, still married to Zipporah, but, but Miriam is referring to her as a Kushite, um, which would suggest that what she's doing is she's highlighting the fact that Zipporah's skin 
is darker um, than, than the skin of the rest of the Israelites. Um, and, and she's probably doing it in, in a derogatory way. Um, if it is his second wife, if this is somebody different to Zipporah, um, then Miriam is still highlighting her nationality and, uh, or, or the race of Moses' second wife, and she's doing it, again, in a negative way. Regardless of which one it is, whether it's Zipporah who has a darker skin or, or an Ethiopian Koshite woman that Moses has married, um, Miriam is still, the bottom line is, Miriam is still highlighting her race or her skin color in a negative way. And it just reminds us how easily we can be critical towards people or, or attack someone based on things that they have no control over, whether it is their nationality or their race or their gender or their age or who their family is, how easily we can attack people over things that they have no control over. But you see, the fact that whoever Moses is married to is not the issue here. That is not the real problem. Because when we, when we read the next verse, when we come to the second verse, she then starts to, to criticize Moses. of saying, is Moses the only one who, who, who God can speak through? There is no link between the complaint in verse 1 and the complaint in verse 2. What we start to see now is that the real issue is starting to come through because now she starts complaining about God speaking through Moses and how surely Moses isn't the only one that God speaks through. For whatever reason it is, they start to attack Moses' character, trying to present him as being arrogant and proud because of the role God had given him. The suggestion, the underlying suggestion there is, is that they are saying that Moses is being arrogant because Moses is maybe claiming that, that he's special, that God speaks through him and not through the others. And, and, and that's kind of hinted at by verse 3. Verse 3 you'll see appears in brackets, um, which, which tells us that it's probably not Moses who wrote that verse. Um, it wouldn't be like the most humblest person on earth to say, I am the most humblest person on earth. The chances are that it was Joshua that probably um, added that in. Uh, Joshua, who would have probably added in the last chapter of Deuteronomy that talks about the death of, of Moses. Clearly Moses couldn't have written that himself either. But, but the bottom line is that Moses was a humble and meek man, but they're trying to create an image of Moses that is not true. And so the real issue here is not about the color of Moses' wife's skin. It's not about Moses being arrogant. It's about jealousy and it's about pride. And the problem doesn't sit with Moses or his wife. The problem sits with the ones who are doing the grumbling and the moaning and the complaining. Grumbling or moaning isn't something that's uncommon amongst God's people. You might be surprised to hear that complaining and grumbling does, does happen in the church, but it does. Um, someone once said to me that those people in the church that moan a lot, they're part of God's awkward squad. That's what he called them, God's awkward squad. But it's a reminder, it's a reminder that they're still a part of God's family. They are still children of God and they're still people that we need to love as God has loved us. It's not uncommon, but what you will find is that the real issue is not the one that they're talking about, that there is something deeper that lies beneath the grumbling, a deeper sin that has taken root. It might be pride, it might be jealousy or bitterness or, or, or a real desire for, for power and authority that they don't have and somebody else does. My own experience of it all is that there's often power struggles going on behind the scenes, and, and the problem is 
that whatever the sin is that lies below there, it becomes an open door for Satan to sneak in, for Satan to come in and start to stir up trouble and create havoc, not just in the lives of the people doing the complaining, but eventually it has an impact on the wider church community too. We don't know who Miriam and Aaron are complaining to. It doesn't tell us who they're complaining to. It probably isn't Moses that they're talking to. You know what it's like to talk to everybody except the person that we should be talking to. But the one person that does hear is God. God hears everything that they say. And then when we see God's response to what is happening and we read the words that God says to them, we're reminded how easily our complaining, how easily our our pride and our prejudices can clash with God's sovereignty and God's plans. The answer to that question that they ask in verse two, has he not spoken through us also, is a resounding yes. God has spoken through them also. He has has appointed Aaron as, as as the priest. Miriam is a prophet. God has spoken through them. When we go back into the book of Exodus, we see that God speaks through Aaron. God speaks through Miriam. They have their appointed roles and their appointed place, but they couldn't accept that. And they couldn't accept Moses' appointed role and appointed place. If we think about the the previous chapter that that Norman spoke about last week, um, and, and he mentioned how 70 elders came together and God spoke prophetically through them. We don't know what they said, but God spoke through prophetically through them. Perhaps that hurt Miriam's pride, that God wouldn't speak through her, where he had spoken through her previously, but God didn't speak through her this time. And so maybe there was a bit of pride that had been hurt that motivated her to to say the things that she said. Miriam, Aaron, and Moses had all been given roles by God to speak to the people of Israel on his behalf in different ways. And those different ways allowed God to work out his purposes through the people of Israel and for the people of Israel. But these two, Miriam and Aaron, allowed their jealousy to become a problem. And in the same way the church, the body of Christ, is made up of different people, different members with different roles to play. That is God's design for his church. Different people with different roles in different places so that God can work out his purpose in this world. And we mustn't allow our grumblings, our jealousy, or our pride to get in the way of God's work. God responds by being angry with them. When he hears all that's happening, he calls the three of them aside to the tent of meeting and meets with them in a pillar of cloud and he reprimands Miriam and Aaron. He reminds them that that Moses is special, Moses is different, he has appointed Moses in a different way and then says to them, how dare you even consider being critical and speaking out against someone that I've appointed in this way. And then when God leaves, what what happens is Aaron Aaron notices that Miriam had become leprous. Now Miriam didn't have leprosy as we know it. At at that time, the disease of leprosy as we know it had not yet arrived in the Middle East. It only arrives there in the time of Jesus. But, But what she did have was some sort of skin disease. She looked leprous. 
Um, this whole scenario, when, when you think about it, when you look at it and, and you go, Miriam is the one that appears leprous, but not Aaron, it does raise a question of, of why does Miriam get punished and, and not, not Aaron? Is there something sexist happening here? Is, is God punishing her because she's a woman and God sparing Aaron because he's a man? Um, on first glance, you could think that that's the case, but, but I don't believe that that's what's happening here. There are a couple of reasons that Bible commentators give as to why Miriam is punished in this way and Aaron is not punished in that way. One suggestion is, if you remember at the beginning I spoke about um, a feminine verb, um, so one suggestion is that Miriam is punished because she's the one that's doing all the complaining. She's the one that's stirring the pot. So she faces um, the greater punishment. Another suggestion is that Aaron, um, because he was a priest, had he been punished in this way, had he become leprous, he would never have been considered clean enough again to continue in that role in the future. It wouldn't have impacted Miriam's role as a prophet in the same way that it would have impacted Aaron's role as a priest. It could have been either of these reasons. It's probably both of these reasons. I want to suggest a third thing. When I read about Aaron's reaction to seeing Miriam struck down with the disease, how, how distraught he is, how upset he is, um, that somebody he cares about and loves so much, his sister has been, has been hurt in this way or, or has been struck down with a disease that she looks like she is going to die. Um, he was absolutely devastated. And I believe that what we're seeing here is a different type of punishment. Where Miriam was punished in a physical way, we see Aaron's punishment being an emotional, mental punishment. But, but um, yeah, in, 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 in that way, that it's a different type of punishment. It is, a, it is an emotional punishment. It is seeing somebody that he loves so much being struck down with the disease. When we put all three of these different reasons together, that, that, that Miriam and Aaron are both being punished physically and emotionally for challenging God's sovereignty, but punished in a way that would allow them to step back into the roles that God had given them, what I notice from all of this is that when we allow our grumbling, our moaning, our complaining, when we allow our jealousies and our pride and our prejudices and, and the power struggles um, that we get involved in, th they put us out of sync with God's plan. And when we were out of sync with God's plan, it is not a comfortable place to be. We won't know God's peace unless we are in sync with him. When we start complaining about what God should be doing, when we start saying things about people that God is using and why is he not using us, we won't know God's peace in those places. Aaron and Miriam were not in a place of peace after everything that had happened. They were not in a place of ease. They did not know the rest that God promises. Things were very uncomfortable and painful for them. And as long as we find ourselves outside of the will of God, as long as we find ourselves outside of the purposes of God, we will never know real peace. And so like we see Aaron in, in, in verse 11, his response to the situation is, is to recognize his sin, to confess his sin, and to ask for forgiveness for his sin. We need to do the same when we find ourselves in that place, when we find that we have given in to the temptation to grumble, to complain, to moan about things. And then that brings us 
back to that place where we are living within the will of God. And within that place, we know true peace. We know peace that passes understanding, God's word tells us. And it passes understanding because we can know it even when we are going through difficult times, even when we are journeying through the desert or having these wilderness moments. Still, we can know God's peace even in these uncomfortable places, even if the journey is hard, even if things are happening or are not happening the way that we would like them to happen, even if we see God using people in the way that we would love him to use us, still, even in those moments, we can know God's peace as long as we are living within his will. And so we will only know the true peace of God when we align ourselves with God's plan, with God's purposes and God's will. And then the last thing that I want to point out has to do with Miriam being removed from the camp and spending seven days outside of the camp. As part of their cleanliness laws, because Miriam looked leprous, because she had some sort of skin infection, it was important for her, or the law said that she had to be removed from the camp. She had to spend seven days outside of the camp. And what this does is it delays the journey um, for, the, for the Israelites. Um, they are so close to the promised land. If, if you move on to chapter 13, they're close enough to the promised land that they can send spies into the land to see what it looks like. They, they are almost at their journey's destination. But, but what happens now, because of what Miriam and Aaron have done, they now have to wait seven days before they can continue their journey, before they can carry on and, and, and get closer and closer and eventually reach that destination. What we need to realize is that the little things that we do, these little grumblings of discontent that come out of our, out of our mouths, these little power plays and these secret conversations that we have that we think nobody hears or nobody knows about, these conversations that are rooted in, in pride and prejudice and jealousy, they have a much wider impact on the whole church community. The impact about Miriam and, and, and oh, sorry, the impact of Miriam and Aaron's complaints about Moses impacted everyone in the end. It might have only started as a little conversation around the fire between, between them and their close family, and then maybe included a couple of friends here and there, but what we see is that eventually the impact is felt by everyone. And by the end of it all, people have been shamed, people have been hurt, and people have been punished. I said at the start of the story, it was a story about prejudice, about pride, about punishment, and about power. But what it really is, is a story about two people who allowed their pride and their prejudice to interfere with God's plan and God's purpose, to interfere with who God had been calling and placed and appointed in various places, and simply because they could not accept God's sovereignty over all things. They could not accept that God was Lord of all and that he would put people in the places where he needed people to be, that he would use people in the way that he wanted to use them because he knows what his plan is and he knows what his purpose is and he is working towards that. They could not accept God's sovereignty in their lives and in their community. And I wonder how many times we've allowed that to happen in our lives.
Let us pray. Loving God, we want to acknowledge and recognize that, that sometimes we think we know better. That when we call you Savior, we also call you Lord. And when we call you Lord, we're acknowledging that you are sovereign, that you are Lord over us and we need to submit ourselves to you. But sometimes we give in to the temptation, the temptation to be jealous, to be proud, the temptation to want what others have, power, authority, influence, gifts, and we recognize today, God, that that can impact the work that you are trying to do. So, Lord, what we're going to do for a few moments just while, while Rachel plays for us is just to reflect on that, just to think about where am I getting involved in things I shouldn't be involved in? Where have I been involved in things that I need to come to you today, God, and ask you to forgive me? So let's just do that just for a few moments. Let's just think about our own lives. What do we need to confess to God? Where do we need his strength in our weakness? Loving God, thank you that we can lean on you. Forgive us for when we think we know better. Forgive us when we say hurtful things about people, things maybe that they have no control over. Or when we attack people's character just to cover up what our real complaint is, what the real struggle is. Forgive us, Father. Help us, Lord, to recognize when we are being tempted to do these things so that when we are weak, we can call upon you to be our strength. And thank you, God, that you love us so much that you don't want us to fall into temptation, that you want to, to protect us from the evil one. And so we have every day access every moment access to the Holy Spirit to be our strength in our weakness may we hold on to that and we recognize and we acknowledge that you are our God and our King and we give ourselves to you in every way we pray this in the name of Jesus Amen